Today's episode is brought to you by my new book, Millennial vs. Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same. For more information, visit CourtneyMKing.com slash podcast. Millennial versus Machine, how I got someone else to pay off my student loan debt and how you can do the same thing. Let's jump right into today's conversation. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for joining me. It's Courtney again with Millennial versus Machine. And today I kind of wanted to do more of an introduction as to who I am. You're like, who the heck is this chick? Um, and then talk a little bit about, uh, my motivation for writing this book, Millennial versus Machine. So I am a first generation college graduate. I graduated, um, with a bachelor's of, uh, political science and Spanish from Pepperdine university. Go waves. Hopefully some of my waves are, um, listening to this podcast. And, uh, currently I am a real estate broker. Um, I own King Realty and Management Incorporated, and we are a full service brokerage serving Dallas, Fort Worth and Houston. And, um, our particular focus is on all things real estate investment related, right? My dad's a real estate broker. He's also an investor. I'm an investor and, uh, this is just what we do. So, um, that's a little bit about me. I'm not trying to get too personal, but <laughs> you can ask me any questions. I'm pretty open. So um, before I jump right into my motivation for writing this book, um, make sure you hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. We're at King Realty Texas, all spelled out. And also put it in the show notes too. So um, I love hearing from people, getting direct messages, questions, answers, all of that good stuff. Um, so part of why I wrote millennial versus machine is right now, you know, as I record this, it, we're towards the end of 2019 and the United States presidential elections are going to take place um, next year. And I keep hearing consistently across so many various platforms, student loan debt, student loan debt, student loan debt. And I hear the conversation, Right. Um, I'll give you an example. I, if you are part of our community on Facebook, um, the community is tagged here in the show notes, but I did a live chat about student loan debt and what people are willing to do in order to get it erased. Guys, it's bad. It's bad out there. I mean, I know as of right now, the student loan debt is, uh, among people in the United States is over $1.4 trillion. That's with a T. <laughs> and so basically what this New York Post article said, um, and I'll link it in the show notes, it said the top 10 sacrifices that people are willing to make because of their student loans, 39% of the people that they surveyed um, have skipped out on a social event or gathering. 
39% uh, also got a side hustle. Kind of like what I'm teaching. A little bit more passive, though. Um, 38% of people started budgeting seriously. Even some of my friends um, have done that. 29% said that they're living with parents because of their student loan debt, right? And so what really, I guess, entertained me about this article is that at some point, I think over 40% of the respondents said that they would spend a week in jail to have their student loan debt erased. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> I'm not going to jail, you know what I mean? To get mine erased. There's got to be a better way. And there is something that I actually did. And that as you continue to listen to this podcast and read the book, you'll be able to do the same thing because I'm walking you guys step by step. And as I mentioned in the sneak peek episode, as I'm recording this, I am actively seeking a property to purchase so that I can use it as a case study, document the entire process and show you, right? So in the book, I talked about how I used real estate to have somebody else pay off my student loan debt, okay? Um, and I've got to be very careful because I'm not trying to give it all away. You know, I want you guys to read the book because there's so many good gems and nuggets and, um, and there's just something about reading that, you know, really, really gets to you, you know, like it, it gets ingrained in your mind. It gets sunk in within your heart, right? So when I read this article and then I reflect on um, my situation with student loan debt, which I'll talk a little bit about here, um, and then I reflect on the conversation that's currently taking place regarding student loan debt, everybody's griping, right? Everybody knows it's a problem. You know, and so, but I don't hear solutions. And yeah, you might be listening to this saying, well, wait a minute, Courtney. Some of these politicians are proposing erasing student loan debt or, for, or loan forgiveness or, you know, just wiping it out completely. Guys, if you could see my face as I say this, I don't think that's happening. I mean, I, I wish for everybody's sake that has student loan debt, I wish they would do it. I mean, it would be pretty awesome, but from a realistic perspective, and as you continue to tune into this podcast, I'm going to talk stats, guys. The United States government makes a huge profit on people's student loan debt. And I guess they're not profiting off the debt per se, they're profiting off of you guys that have student loan debt or me when I had student loan debt, right? They're making a buttload in interest. <laughs> and and, and I'll, I'll be sharing where that money is going. How is it allocated? You know what I mean? I mean, we could get into a whole nother conversation as to deficits and, you know, crazy spending by the U.S. government and all this waste and this, that, and the other, but we're not here for that. We're here to talk about solutions to eliminating student loan debt, and that's what I propose. 
So everything that I share with you guys on this podcast um, that you see in our Facebook community um, or, or that you read in the book is stuff that I've actually done. And I'm approaching 10 years in real estate here in Texas, and I continue to do it. So I highlight what exactly I did to pay off my student loan debt. But since then, which was in 2013, I've repeatedly and consistently done that, right? Um, through real estate. And no, you don't have to go to jail. <laughs> no, it's not illegal. Um, no, is it some complex pie in the sky type thing? No, it's practical things, right? Um, and and we'll just we'll get into it. So bear with me, guys, because I'm I'm really trying to ease you into it. So let me back up. Um, just so you know more about my story with student loan debt. So when I graduated college, I had about $25,000 of student loan debt. Now, um, my parents, when I was in high school, they made it abundantly clear. They said, number one, you're going to college. Cool. I'm cool with that. Number two, you have to finance it. Oh, okay. Now, lucky for me, they gave me a little bit of a heads up notice, right? I mean, we were talking about this stuff, like freshman, sophomore, but really junior and senior year, right? So I'm like going out and I'm applying for scholarship after scholarship because I had in my head like, look, mom and dad are not paying for college. And I was okay with that actually. It just, it motivated me to really go after, um, after that. So I um, ended up being accepted at Pepperdine University, and um, it's funny, between scholarships and grants, it actually was the least expensive school that I ended up being accepted to. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> there was a lot of variables to that, but nonetheless, I'm super thankful. Um, but with that being said, the scholarships, the grants, and all of that good stuff only went so far. So, um, after I graduated, which was in 2007, um, I had about $25,000, uh, worth of student loan debt. Now let's talk about this part. Okay. <laughs> so you go to college, you know, for me, I had in my mind, like, okay, I'm going to become an attorney. Like that was my goal. Um, I love the legal field. I really wanted to help people. Um, I thought I would be good at it. And so I'm taking all of these political science classes as like a pre-law track. Right. And, um, and that was all good. Okay. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Right. And then on the flip side, um, because I'm fluent in Spanish, I also, I double majored. So not only poli sci, but also Spanish. And when I um, started college, actually some of my high school credits um, were, or, or some of the credits that I got in high school were also associated with the local community college. So I actually had about a half a semester worth of college credits um, to take with me, right? So I actually graduated in three years and y'all, I'm not, I'm building context. I'm not like, puffing myself up or anything. So let's just let me be clear. <laughs> I'm just sharing my story, not that it's better or anything, but I, I'm building context to what I share in the book. 
So when it's all said and done, I mean, at the time, Pepperdine costs about 40 grand a year, right? And um, I was very blessed and fortunate that when it's all said and done, after those three years, I graduated and um, had 25K in student loan debt. So I graduate, and um, before I graduated, I absolutely bombed the LSATs, y'all. <laughs> I studied, I took prep courses. I'm like, I mean, anybody that knows me knows, like, if we're going to do something, we're going to go all the way to the top, right? We're going to go to the extreme, so even with all of that effort, LSATs sucked. I ended up taking them again when I was studying abroad and they equally sucked. So I took a step back and I was like, you know, let me, let me graduate and let me work in the legal field. I mean, when I was at Pepperdine, I actually worked in the law library. And so I befriended quite a few uh, Pepperdine law students and I saw that they were stressed. I mean, they were in the library 24 seven. And I thought, wow, um, number one, going to law school is gonna be a pretty big social commitment. But then number two, I was like, going to law school is gonna be a big, um, time commitment, but money commitment, because while I'm sure, you know, scholarships exist, it's like, you're, you're probably going to still have to take out some student loans, you know, unless you're brilliant. And that wasn't necessarily me. <laughs> so I said, you know what, let me, I feel like the bombing the LSATs, um, is a, is a good sign, right? It's almost like a reroute. I felt like God was, was taking me through. And so I said, well, let me work in, uh, in, in real estate, excuse me, let me work in the legal field, right? And um, let me just see if I'm willing to make these commitments, right? So I worked at one of the largest law firms actually in the world, um, right out of college. I was like a project assistant type person. And it was a com in the commercial real estate transaction part of, the, of their law firm, a really good experience. I was a paper pusher, y'all. I was pushing papers. And when I tell you it was so boring, I was like, don't get me wrong, very appreciative of the opportunity. But I'm like, no, this, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> now, before I got that job, okay, so I graduated in April, right? And I did not have a job until maybe middle of May. And so number one, I'm homeless in LA because I, I stayed in LA after college and I'm flat broke. <laughs> That's a terrible situation to be in. <laughs> so when I got the job, I was like, cool, I'm making decent money. I mean, it was okay for just being out of college, right? And, but I'm living in LA where the cost of living is horrendous. If you live in LA, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> um, cause I feel your pain, right? Uh, especially if you're listening to this and you're a recent college grad, um, that's just trying to figure it out. That was me in 2007. 
So, so that's what I did. Um, then come like October of the same year, I was just miserable, y'all. I was like, wow, I am totally living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. I've got to start paying my student loans back, right? That was like the first thing in my mind is I need income so I can start paying these loans back, which I think at the time the, um, the deferment time period from graduation to when you had to start paying it back was like six months. So that fire was under my ass, <laughs> to say the least. So I'm, I'm living in LA, paycheck to paycheck, paying my student loans, but like, I felt like there's no way I could get ahead, right? No, well, especially not at that salary, right? And, and at that particular law firm, like you basically had to be a law student or better yet, um, somebody that graduated from law school, but are in the process of taking the bar to be kind of like a paralegal thing. Right. So that was not me. And I talked to my dad and I said, look, dad, this is not working. And he said, well, I know you don't want to come home. I definitely was not going back to Portland. And, um, and so he said, well, I started investing in real estate in Dallas and, um, go visit. Like you can stay in one of the houses that I have and, um, go visit and see if you like it. And if you like it, move now, guys, I, let me just say, I'm very, very fortunate to have the dad that I have because he's been super instrumental on guiding me in a lot of good decisions in my life. Um, consoling me with the not so good decisions. <laughs> We've all been there, right? But, um, that was super beneficial. I mean, at the time, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. I really don't have anything tying me down. Let me check it out. So, um, ended up going to Dallas, stayed in the legal field. I actually got a job. I don't know, maybe a month. I, I visited first and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then I got a job like a month later at another law firm because I still had in my mind this whole legal route, right? And um, worked in immigration law. So I was a paralegal and I kind of worked my way up from the really, really easy cut and dry cases all the way to a paralegal working on deportation cases where we're trying to get our clients to be able to remain in the United States. So super interesting. Um, I was actually pretty good at, good at it. Um, was able to use my Spanish skills and I'm so thankful for that and really had a passion for helping those, um, undocumented people, you know, get to their goal, whether that be residency or citizenship. So that was an awesome experience, but then let me see, that was 2008, 2009, the economy was not so good. <laughs> so what happens? I'm, I'm like settled there at the law firm. It's been over a year, a little over a year. And they start laying people off. And I'm like, oh no, this girl, I'm pointing at myself right now. This girl still has student loan debt. This girl still needs to pay that off. Wait a minute. Just that uncertainty, you know, that instability where I was like, wait. So, um, again, talking to my dad, shout out to my pops. I'm sure he's listening. Um, he said, well, 
have you thought about being a teacher? And I'm like, heck no. My patience, <laughs> the way my patience is set up, <laughs> I was like, um, okay. And he goes, well, why don't you think about it? You know, I've, I've read somewhere that they need bilingual teachers anyway. So I started looking into it and started hearing all of these things about alternative certification programs and um, and believe it or not, in Texas, bilingual teachers do get paid more. I mean, it's for a teacher's salary, I, I thought it would be pretty sweet. So needless to say, I worked my full-time job at the law firm. And then at night or early afternoons, I would, work, I would um, get my alternative certification. And voila, I think it was maybe two months I was certified to be a bilingual elementary school teacher. And that's what I did. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Guys, I'm getting to the point. I promise. I just really want you to have context that I am just an ordinary person, right? Just trying to figure life out just like you guys. <laughs> and this is, um, and I share this because I feel like it brings everything down, right? it brings even what I'm teaching you in the book down to a level that it's like, wow, I can chew on this. I can actually do this, right? So that's why I'm, I'm sharing these details of my story. So became a elementary school teacher and loved it, um, built up some patience for sure. Those kids were amazing, by the way. They taught me probably as much as I taught them. And so I taught for about three years and into my second year of teaching is when the story really starts for this book. So, um, my dad and I were actually, I was rolling with my dad one day. And like I said, guys, my dad's a real estate broker. So, and he's an investor. So, um, he's been doing this stuff ever since I was a little girl back in Portland, Oregon, and continued it even when he ended up moving to, to Dallas um, just a, a few months after I did. So um, so we are going to a property to show one of his clients. And I'm just there observing, you know, by this time I was starting to see the kind of money that my dad was making in real estate. And I was like, hmm, the wheels started turning, right? And we go to this property and we're walking through, we're talking with his client um, and she is just ripping this property apart, right? She's like, just, I, I can't even remember exactly what she said, but she was like, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. And all, I mean, all of these things, the floors are bad. The walls are bad. The paint is bad. The countertops is bad. I mean, just all of these things, right? And so I was like, okay. I mean, I'm just over there clueless, right? By then I'm not even a realtor. I'm just hanging with my dad. And so we, um, we finished the showing. That was the last showing that we had with this particular client. And we ended up just talking in the car. The client left, um, him and I were talking. He said, Hey, Courtney, I think, I think this would be a good house for you to buy. And me, type A, planner, all of that. I'm like, wait, really? Wait, this is a, this is a large purchase. Um, are you sure? 
let, let me go run my numbers, you know, just totally freaking out. Like in within a span of like 20 minutes, he goes, well, look, kid, if you don't buy this house, I'm going to buy this house. And I was like, oh, it's like that. I want this house. <laughs> because I'm like, if my dad is saying that about this house, there's got to be a reason he's never led me astray, right? So that is the start of my journey to having somebody else pay off my student loan debt. And you're going to have to tune in to next week's episode where I tell you more about the opportunity and what ended up happening. So thank you again for listening to me ramble. (laughs) It's so funny because as I talk about this, I'm kind of reliving it and I just, I feel so thankful for the opportunity. And guys, these opportunities are all over the place even now. So that's really what I'm going to uh, share with you. So enjoy the rest of the day. I will talk to you next week. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to continue the conversation, be sure to visit CourtneyMKing.com slash community. And oh, by the way, please subscribe, share, rate, and review this podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And so would your peeps who are looking to get out of student loan debt. Until next time.